Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. It is 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I am JT, a.k.a. The Master. It's a fine Sunday morning. Uh, it's a mournful morning, I should say. Uh, we have um, lost a great one, the greatest, um, self-proclaimed greatest, and really, in my opinion, one of the greatest human beings and one of the greatest boxers in all the world. The number to call in is 347 637-3220. 347-637-3220 is the place to be if you want to talk to JT, the master, and that would be me. Got a great show in store for you today. Um, we're going to be talking about... Uh, The great ones we lost uh, in, in in the past uh, year, and uh, well, in the past six months, because this is right around almost the middle of the month uh, of uh, excuse me, middle of the year in 2016. It's unbelievable how quick this year is going flying by, and uh, we have. Several not- notable or notice several several people of note that we have lost since the beginning of the year. It's unbelievable the um, people that I wouldn't say you take for granted. You think they're always going to be around, um, and uh, for one reason or another. Uh, for one way or another, they are no longer with us. For instance, let's start from the beginning of the year. And the beginning of the year, and I hate to say it like this, really started off with a with a boom, with a blast. Uh, and that's maybe a bit poor, poor choice of words, but one of the first guys, of people to pass away. Just three days after releasing his 25th studio album, and uh, for the most part kept his 18-month battle uh, with cancer very private, uh, that even close friends weren't aware of his struggle. At the young age of 69, and this is in January, people, starting the year off... uh, I wouldn't say starting the year off right, starting the year off um, mourning someone that a lot of us, the newer generation, but a lot of us that uh, um, grew up in the 70s, 80s, uh, 90s, primary life, teenage years, uh, maybe college years, something like that. David Bowie. Mr. Uh, rocker um, passed for a and I'm not saying this uh, uh, to be derogatory as a um, bisexual because uh, I do believe that um, 
even though he was uh, linked with um, some notable females, just rocked the boat on both sides, uh, passed away, like I said, at 69. And before you even could take a breath, someone else who battled on cancer, someone else that the younger generation knows about now because he was in the, those Harry Potter films. Alan Rickman also passed away at the ripe old age uh, after battling cancer at 69. Now, that's, that's just in January. And in February, a actor as uh, known as Father Ted, excuse me, Father Jack in comedy, Father Ted, best known for his role as Father Jack in comedy, Father Ted, died at the age of 77 from um, another person later in the year that would pass away from. Um, Parkinson's disease at the age of 77 too young may they rest in, rest in peace we move all the way to <coughs> excuse me <coughs> to April And uh, David Guest, a noted music producer. Now, this hits home, people, because he's my age. My age. Was found dead at the age of 62 in a London hotel. That's very scary. can happen any time. Also in April. As you know, just a, f- a few uh, weeks ago, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, mega pop star, mega star, uh, a musical legend, to say the least, a musical legend, to say the least, Purple Rain. Little Red Corvette. And the hits just keep on coming. Passed away at his recording studio in Minneapolis at the age of 57. What a shame. What a shame. Unbelievable. And just this past few day, past a few days ago, At the tender age of 74. The greatest of all time. Self-proclaimed and I would say uh, legitimately so. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, 
passed away. And what can you do but mourn the passing of a absolute icon, an absolute icon of the world, not just of America, not just for one community versus another, an absolute icon. in Muhammad Ali passing away of Parkinson's disease, a dreaded disease that there is no cure for right now. Long suffered, Muhammad Ali did, and uh, made the best of it, was, uh, um, did not let hit him um, slow him down, lit the room up anytime he walked into it, was a people person by all means, had a host of family and friends near his side, mainly family. My heart and prayers go out to the family who've lost um, a family icon. A guy that wouldn't compromise, wouldn't bow down to what he thought wasn't right. In unsurmountable odds against him, black man in America fighting the U.S. government, time of uh, 68, in the 60s, where minorities, mainly blacks, were fighting for the right to vote the right to for equality the right the right to not be being brutalized by uh the police and having the government whatever level it was protect the uh so-called oppressors of minorities and decided not to go this says no This is not for me. I'm not going. Called uppity um, and the N-word by a lot of people. Was a pariah by a lot of people. Back-turned by a lot of people. Denied uh, his, um, his livelihood. Stripped of his title. When I'm saying unsurmountable odds, that's exactly what I mean. Most people, most people, the majority of people would have given in and not gone through what Muhammad Ali had to go through and endure and, and, and have the possibility hanging over his head of going to jail and spend time in jail. And it turns out he went out. He went out, ostracized because he changed his name from his, his, his um, born name, a name that was given to him by his parents, to a name that re- would reflect his new religion that a lot of people didn't know about. 
and took a negative annotation to, including right now, taking a negative um, has been has taken a negative look at uh, the religion he decided to belong to, changed the name, and uh, became a Muslim, a black Muslim. Uh, following the teachings at the time of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And uh, there was a lot of things, a lot of changes going on in Muhammad and a lot of uh, odds against him at the time. And he endured it, through it, came out on top was able to redeem his uh, re, 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 um, was able to start his re, uh, how can I say this he was able to um, renew his career came out on top of that became the world champion um, a couple times over. And because of carrying, a lot of people think because of um, being in the profession he profession that he he uh, uh, excelled in, and later in life, after he had retired, developed Parkinson's disease, which. took away his uh, physical attributes, um, difficulty walking, difficulty speaking, difficulty uh, in a lot of physical um, functions that he normal people would be used to. But his mind was still sharp. Still sharp. As well as it could be. Like I said, would would light up a room regardless of who was in that room. All attention would be to Muhammad Ali when he walked into that room. Or when he was uh, uh, rolled into that room. Whatever way you want to talk about it. Because of what this man stood for. And what he became, and had, he, regardless, regardless, and there's some people, there's quite a few people out there, just because the color of his skin, that dislike him, um, just just for that simple reason. Which this is 2016. I would like to think that we can get over that. And not look at a person's color, their color, as I don't like that person, just because their color doesn't suit suit me. Most a lot of people, and and look at a person that's not like them, because they're they're a different shade of of color are viewed as a foreigner in a country because you're not the same color as me. 
So you must be a foreigner. And right there, that uh, puts a stigmatism on them. And and is tr- they're treated a different way. T- the tolerance level drops down. Their assumption of that person um, is uh, uh, they buy into whatever stereotype um, the color of the skin dictates. Rather than dealing with the person, they deal with the color and look past everything else, which is, to me, a closed-minded person, a person that can't see the nose despite their face, can't see past that. So... You have to pray for someone like that because you don't know where it's going to end from there. How it's going to shape out, shape out not just them, but the people around them that are close to them. Especially if, if they are of, of uh, parental, um, they have um, uh, their parents. They're shaping the next generation to think the same way. And then it becomes a generational thing. My grandfather thought like this and and told me how those people are. My father told me how those people, or mother told me how those people are. I'm going to teach my kids the same thing. And it becomes a generational thing. Now, fortunately... In this day and age, I would think that with all the social media and exposure uh, and the mixing of races in different environments, that doesn't happen to the majority of people. But believe it or not, some way or somehow, certain characteristics or certain feelings are always held on to for whatever reason. Maybe it's a safe haven. Maybe it's, it's a go-to, go-back, a go-to um, thought. And it's a shame that it has to be that way because there's so many, so many of uh, mixing of uh, the races now now that it makes no sense to hold on to those beliefs that he shouldn't be with her or she shouldn't be with him or she shouldn't be with her or he shouldn't be with him. Can't we just all get along? Can't we just all get along? All right, people. Let's move on to this. The NBA Finals are up and coming. Game two is up and coming. 
and the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know what? Let me stop. Let me. I'll keep on going there for a minute because I was going to go in a different direction, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll stay with this thought. Golden Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers are, in my opinion, in my opinion, come 8 o'clock tonight on Channel 7, better bring their A+++, plus, 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 plus game. Uh, because from what I saw, the game um, on Thursday night in the frustrating expression that LeBron James had sitting on the bench of total or being lost, I should say, not total, of just being lost on what was happening. When you can have your bench, and we talked about this yesterday on the FSP show, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time with Vic Gardner as a host, me as a co-host, and hope, hopefully you listened to the interview we had with Deborah King, daughter of Don King, and her, um, her, her uh, program that she's had for uh, mental illness and drug addiction, Limitless Life. Hopefully you listen to that. Hopefully you, um, if you have an issue, uh, you can uh, call her and, uh, um, or email or contact her on her website and to get the help you need. But getting back about help, LeBron James needs help. The bench outscored the Cleveland Cavaliers in game one. 45 points to 10. The bench. Now, you'd have to think if Steph Curry and uh, um, Clay Thompson had a, had a better night than scoring a combined 20 points, then instead of being a 15-point win, I would gather to think, I would, yeah, I would really think that it would be a close to double that um, point difference. That would mean that it would be um, a thirty-point win versus a fifteen. Now we never know because it didn't happen that way. But the point is this: that was the worst point output of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson all year. All year. 20 points they scored combined. And if not for hitting a couple of threes, it would have been less than 20 points quite naturally because they both hit threes back to back. So it would have been less than 20 points. So, and they won by 15. Now, you got to think Steph, who was one of the, if not the leader in points uh, per game, and Clay Thompson, who's a deadly shooter himself, and he, he, he uh, averages about 20 points. 
and you get the decent production. You don't only have to get 45 to 10 from the bench. It's nice. It'll, it'll help. But the only reason the bench was in there because Steph, Steph and um, Clay weren't, weren't hitting their shots, and the bench was rolling against Cleveland starters. So the backups sitting on the bench, and, you know, I keep on rehashing the same, um, same point, but I'm trying to get you to understand the bench outscored the other bench 45 to 10. Really just did, did the starting five of the Cleveland Cavaliers in. They had no answers for Sean Livingston. They had no answer for Barbosa. They had no answer for Iguodala. Well, they had six guys. I think it was six guys in double figures, at least. Moving the basketball, getting the guy who's open the ball, and getting great looks and making those shots versus Cleveland playing isolation basketball one-on-one, making it very easy for the defense to play defense because there he is. He's got the ball. He's pounded it into the floor. Is he going to pass it? Is he going to shoot it? If he's not going to shoot it, then it's one-on-five. I mean, if he's going to shoot it, it's one-on-five. If he's not going to shoot it, then it's going to be – if he pounds the ball over and over again and he passes it with little left on the shot clock, the next guy he passes to we can key on because he's going to have to jack the shot up because he has no time or otherwise the shot clock is going to expire. Makes playing defense very elementary and very simple to, to do. I can almost guarantee this. The Cleveland Cavaliers are going to move the football. Excuse me, move the basketball. They're going to have to. They're going to have to play basketball like it's supposed to be played. Otherwise, they'll be sitting on the sidelines down 2-0 going back to Going back to uh, Cleveland and wondering what what they need to do to beat the uh, Golden State Warriors down 2-0. And if they don't solve it, It'll be lights out very quickly for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. And LeBron James will lose his sixth or his seventh. I lose count now. I think it was his sixth uh, NBA uh, Finals, which would probably be a record. Even He's going to sixth straight and, 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 uh, this would be his six that he lost, not that he lost six straight, but and what will his leg- legacy be? What will his legacy be? All right, people. 
I'm going to take a short break, and we will be right back after this. Thursday night is the right time to kick back and listen to the FSP Crew Show as they break down the weekend sports and prepare you for Thursday night football. 8 p.m. Eastern, just before the game starts. Jerry the Master Taylor hosts the show with Jeff the Joker Goldberg and Mike the Bookie Monster Wright. The three gentlemen debate and discuss a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of everything on the FSP Crew Show every Thursday night on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can listen at spotonradio.webs.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365. And listen to other informative programs as well. Information, motivation, variety. Victor Gardner began the fantasy sports and politics brand with the idea of combining two of his passions into a radio show. He then learned that politics were 95% of sports. When you tune into the Fantasy Sports and Politics show every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, Mr. FST himself, Vic Gardner, and Jerry the Master Taylor will go over the weekend sports, prep you for your upcoming fantasy games, and spark a debate politicians would love to hear. That's the FSP Show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com forward slash V-I-C-H-B-K. You can listen at spotonradio.web.com after the show as it streams 24-7, 365. For other informative programs as well, information, motivation, variety. All right, people, we're back. Um, talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, like I was talking about, we're talking about the uh, NBA Finals and uh, what Cleveland has to do. To, to get the best or try to uh, give a decent showing to the uh, Golden State Warriors. I think they're, 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 I don't think they're going to be able to. But I got to think this. That You got to get Kyrie Irving to play defense. Um, He's not a good defensive player as it is, but um, but he's got to put more effort in playing defense um, better than he has been. Uh, Whether he's guarding Clay Thompson, which I doubt he'll do, or Stephon Curry, which uh, which be would be in my opinion is still a bad matchup. He can't be a liability. He's got to be a. He's got to be able to uh, guard. Um, be able to guard 
uh, whoever he's, he's matched up against better than he's been in playing that Matador defense. He's got to be able to do that. The, the, the combination of Kevin Love, Kyrie Irvin, and J.R. Smith gave up almost 119 points per 100 possessions in their time together. And they, they, on average, they play about 30 minutes together. So if they have a – they can't have bad offensive nights because the Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and J.R. Smith combination of playing defense when they're, when they're out there on the court together is a detriment to the team versus an asset. And uh, that that's that's key. That's one of the keys they have to do. They got to move the ball. That's the number two. They got to move the ball around. They got to move the ball around. There's no two ways about it. They can't say, "Watch me, watch me pound the basketball for 14, 18 seconds." on the shot clock and either make a move, which is going to be a move against five people because five people are watching one guy pound the basketball. And like I'm saying, that's making it very easy for Golden State to play defense. They move the basketball, they move feet, they move the defense around, move the defense around. Somebody's going to get open. Someone will get open. And then you go from there. And then you think from there, easy shots, easy attempts, I should say, make for um, better percentage in making shots. I hate to say it because I don't like this guy. Don't like this guy at all. I think he's on the borderline of a dirty player because of lack of ability. But he plays uh, better defense, or he sticks to his man better than Kyrie Irving. Matthew Dellavedova needs to play more minutes. Because <clears throat> he plays better defense. Not a great score, so you, you, you trade off one for one. You trade offense for defense. Um, and that puts a burden on the other four players on the on the floor, and that leads me to my next point. Channing Fry needs to play more minutes. He's a hell of a shooter, especially from three point range, and more attention will be spent if he's on the floor, meaning the, the defense is going to be spread out a little bit more and. If the ball gets moved around, there's a strong chance that Channing Fry will be open. And he's one of the best three-point shooters on the team. But the ball has to move. It was, it was so obvious. You know, I've never played professional basketball. I play basketball, but never played professional basketball. I've watched a lot of professional basketball. 
um, and different brands of professional basketball throughout my 62 years of the Knicks moving the basketball around. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs, Golden State Warriors moving the basketball around. Of other teams that won, uh, like the Chicago Bulls, for the most part. Um, uh, the Detroit Pistons, for, for the most part. Teams, Some teams that play isolation basketball give the ball to one guy and let him do his thing. If he finds somebody open because the defense collapses on him, then he passes it off like Chicago used to do with uh, uh, John Paxton and Steve Kerr, leave them open for their three-point shots or whatever. And uh, But the Cleveland Cavaliers don't have those type of players on a consistent basis. So they need to move the basketball to get the best possible shot to, to get the, to the guy who is open um, the most. And I keep on going back to the same thing. Because Cleveland has no excuses now. Cleveland has no excuses now. They're healthy. Healthy and well-rested. So all those naysayers, including probably some naysayers on, on the Cleveland, Cleveland players on the Cleveland team, say that, wait, if, that if we had a full team like last year, we had a full team. We could have beaten the Golden State Warriors. Well, they're benched, and I go back to their bench. Team points difference between the Cleveland Cavaliers and Golden State Warriors. With a full squad, well-rested, it's not the Atlantic Hawks, it's not the Detroit Pistons, it's not the uh, Toronto Raptors. This is the Golden State Warriors that you matched up with last week, I mean last year and this past week. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? This is a do-or-die game here for you. I know it's only game two. I know we got two games going at home. If I'm Cleveland. We got two games going at home, and we we got a shot at winning at least one or two, one of those, maybe possibly two. We did it. We did it with uh, Toronto. We can, but th- this is not Toronto. This is not Toronto. I know Toronto's got a dynamic pair of um, guards, just like Golden State. But there's more depth. Obviously, you found that out. There's more depth with this Golden State Warriors team. That won 73 games and only lost nine the past regular season than there is with the uh, Toronto Raptors that uh, the level of play needs to be stepped up. Tyron Liu and company, coaching staff, LeBron James and players, Need to realize they got to move the basketball. Move the basketball. You can't. Don't try to push the basketball because if you miss, that just plays right into Golden State hands. You got to play your brand of basketball, or you got to try to slow the ball down, and then move the basketball around 
at a quick pace to get the defense moving and catch them off guard somewhere, there's going to be a weakness for you to capitalize on at Cleveland Cavaliers. If not, you're going down 2-0. If not, you go to Cleveland, it won't make a difference. I, I said at one point, this game, this, this series is going to seven. I saw, the, I saw the first game where Steph Curry and Klay Thompson only scored a combined 20 points. And Golden State still won by 15. I revised my prediction. I'm saying five, five games. I'm giving Cleveland one game to win. One game to win. And then I'm going to, and I think I'm going to call my son, who is a big, huge LeBron James fan, and talk a little smack to him to see how, how, how he's feeling about his boy, the so-called king, who's about to be dethroned. Instead of being the king, he's going to be the prince. Never to never I wouldn't say never to wear the crown again, but it's gonna hurt. The level of confusion, frustration is only gonna rise, especially if Steph Curry and Clay Thompson go off in the second game. Because if they go off in the second game, there's no way Cleveland's gonna I mean Cleveland's gonna win the game. Ain't ain't, ain't happening, no way. Hate to say it, Cleveland. It was it was real. It was it was nice. You thought you had a shot. You were feeling good um, going through the East, the Eastern Conference, which is weak. I don't know if I said it on this show or if I said it on on uh, the FSP show. I think I said it on this show last week. The teams and the conference the Cleveland Cavaliers play in is the JV. When you play the Western Conference, now you're moving up to varsity. Now, now you got to play with the big boys. I think any one of those Western Conference teams, the big three, I'm talking about Golden State, the reigning world champions, they knocked off the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then the Oklahoma City Thunder knocked off the next best team, who uh, the next team. Uh, uh, the next best team with a, rec- a record of um, right behind the Golden State Warriors of the um, San Antonio Spurs could have beat these Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I know it's one game. We're going to game two. Anything can happen. And I could be eating my words come uh, the end of Sunday night after the game is over. And it's tied up 1-1. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. The Cleveland Cavaliers are going to try to key on Clay Thompson and uh, Stephon Curry. One of those guys is going to go off this game, if not both of them. Cleveland got to worry about too many options of the Golden State Warriors. You got Harrison Barnes sitting out there. You got Iguodala sitting out there. You got um, Draymond Green out there who can three, shoot three points with the best of them. 
Golden State's going to play their game one way or the other. You got to come to them. They got the crown. You got to take it from them. They're not going to give it to you. I understand, Cleveland, that at least one time in the game you were leading and you had a lead. But that was fool's gold. Fool's gold. And uh, what do you think the uh, chances of uh, Cleveland coming out and winning this game? Most teams, when they uh, know the at, at the at the least, they need to split on the road, and they lose the first one. Really, going to give their best shot. If you can sustain their best shot in the first and third quarter, and beat them off, so to speak, you have a shot of demoralizing the team that's uh, down, and. Uh, Winning the game also. And I think the mindset, don't get it twisted. Steve Kerr is a very intense coach. He may look like a uh, really low-key, low laid-back low, low type of coach. Very intense coach. Was a very intense player when he played. Um, and very smart as a player and as a coach. And being able to deal with players as a coach. Got this team. It's a, it's a rare combination that you have the same type of demeanor, character, whatever, that you have with the coach and the best player on the team. If you put Steve Kerr and Stephon Curry right next to each other, looks like little nerdy type very smart, um, but has an assassin's mind and um, very uh, 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 workmanlike in, in taking you apart. Steve Kerr, Stephon Curry, look at them side by side, and the, the coach and the player – a perfect match to do in this time with the, with the, with this team. Perfect match. And that's why you see the whole team as it is because the coach and the player are on the same page basically 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 not exactly but basically the same type of personalities. And I've always said this, that if the player buys into what the head coach, the best player on the team is buying into what the head coach is preaching, everybody else has got to follow. They have no other choice. They want to play, they got to follow. And if it comes out with results, like it's been coming out, 
Everybody buys in from the last person on the bench to the best player on the bench. I'm on, on, on the on the team. Everybody's bought in because it's obvious. The coach knows what he's doing. The player believes what the coach knows. The best player believes what the best what the coach is, is preaching. And if it and if it's working, players like to have results. If if a coach gives them a system, okay, coach, we'll we'll, we'll follow you, okay. And they see results, which like last year, a championship. This year, uh, the coach wins coach of the year. The player wins unanimous MVP, and they get the best record in the NBA. Where, where, why would you have any kind of dissension on the team? Why would you have anybody speaking out saying uh, me, 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 or whatever, or negative thoughts on the team? You can't. You have, you have no leg to stand on. The formula worked. It got you one championship and gotten you back into the championship again, again with the a best record in the NBA of all time. So you get that you, you, you listen to what the coach is saying. You listen to what the best player on your team is the way the best team player on your team is acting. You look at it and, and and playing, and he give you all because you have what you call a total team environment. Everybody's buying in. Everybody's feeling much love for each other, whether it's good times or bad times, because. Hey, we're all in this together, regardless if we go down uh, with a loss or we win. Uh, we're all in this together, uh, Coach. And, and and it was quite obvious that even the best players on the uh, um, Golden State Warriors, if they're not producing, they're sitting. Clay Thompson and Stephon Curry in the fourth quarter didn't play until halfway through the fourth quarter. They got into the game around the five-minute mark, somewhere about that. But they were winning. I mean, it wasn't like they needed to put them back in the game. So, going, your best players, You, even though Clay Thompson was in, in foul trouble, he still could have gone back in the game earlier. He's Clay Thompson. One of the best shooters in the NBA, Stephon Curry, the unanimous MVP, and you got him sitting in the fourth quarter, halfway through the fourth quarter before you put him in. Not because they're in deep foul trouble, but because their bench was playing so well. No need to put him in. I don't care if you're Stephon Curry or Klay Thompson. No need to put him in. It's all about winning. It's not, not about who you are. It's all about winning. So if you produce, you're on the court. If you don't, you're sitting. And both those guys struggled horribly the whole game. And they sat for the majority of the fourth quarter.
So, Cleveland, come 8 o'clock tonight, you better bring your A game. I know I had said differently earlier. I said A plus, 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 plus game. Everyone, every day one that's starting five has got to score in double figures. Everyone that's starting five has to score in double figures. If they don't, they do not win. The bench will not help you in this series. Everyone in that starting five has to score in, in double, double figures and play tenacious defense. Those two don't happen. It's going to be another 15-point loss for Cleveland Cavaliers. I hate to say it like that, but it is what it is. It, excuse me, it is what it is, and I'm just keeping it real, real, real. All right, let's move on. We've got about uh, a little less than four minutes in this um, hour. I'm going to talk about my uh, fantasy baseball team. I really don't want to, but. Um, seems like this year is not going to be my year in fantasy uh, baseball. Seems like uh, it just just uh, my team, which I had high hopes for, um, for the last two weeks. And this has been going on for the last two weeks. My team have been playing well. The guys I had assembled have been playing well um, during the week, leading my opponents both times during the week and comfortably during the week. And then comes the weekend, for whatever reason, my team decided to decided that they'd done enough during the week that they had hadn't not they shouldn't do anything on the weekend and for the second week in a row I'm going to go down it looks like in flames and uh probably slip another notch in the in the standings and um not be able to do too much about it. I still have a shot to pull this week out, but it doesn't look like it. Um, at one point or another, my pl- big players, Yohannes y- y- Cespedes or Bryce Harper or uh, Giancarlo Stanton, were um, day-to-day or didn't play a couple of days. And, and and that hurts. But then I get the other guys that, like I said, for whatever reason, don't decide partying on the weekend or whatever and don't show up. And my stats go along with my pitching and uh, I go down to flames. We'll see what happens next week, but I appreciate you uh, uh, spending the time uh, this past hour with me. I am JT, AKA the master, and this is the master plan. Uh, We will be back next week, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, to talk about uh, more on the NBA NBA Finals 
and uh, uh, more on the fantasy baseball. And uh, we're probably starting to get into the um, uh, just the beginning of fantasy football, which is really my true love. With that being said, uh, ha- have a, a great Sunday afternoon of the weekend. Uh, enjoy it. Be safe. And uh, um, God bless. And um, hopefully uh, you'll be back next week. See ya.